What's up, everybody? This is Tanner from TamanBaseballFan.com. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Um, the other day, I had a, a buddy reach out to me and uh, ask for a picture of my uh, old judge, uh, Billy Sunday baseball card. And uh, I asked him why, and he said he was actually looking into picking up one for himself, and he wanted to check pricing and see what it looked like based on or compared to mine. And uh, uh, I showed him a picture today. He goes, wow, that's beautiful. He's like, man, I love almost all your collection. Um, I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, he, he uh, went ahead and specified further. I say most of your collection because uh, I like all of it minus your Conseco collection. <laughs> he doesn't like the new shiny stuff. He doesn't like the steroid era guys. Um, I get it completely. Um, <laughs> my grail is not your grail. Um, a lot of times, most likely, you know, and so I think we have these different unicorns of cards that we set our sights on that a lot of other people don't. And this is probably more common for the more seasoned uh, collector because anybody out there can say, oh man, my grail is a T206 Wagner or a uh, 2009 Bowman Chrome, uh, you know, Mike Trout autograph or something. But like, there are some guys that are hardcore that are looking uh, intently for like this obscure 1971 uh, 7-11 Slurpee disc of Reggie Jackson that they've only seen twice. Or, you know, a uh, 1977 sugar packet of uh, with a... A drawing of Gary Carter's face on the front that was released in 1977 in a, in a regional restaurant or something you know things like this like where you're a collector and you've been at it for decades and decades and you're drilling down and you know what's on your wish list like your top uh, your top wants right and as you drill down as the years go by you pick them off one by one by one to where your top list is either changed, added to, replaced, whatever. There's going to be a few that just stick there forever that they never really surface. And they're special to you maybe for uh, perhaps for reasons that you've only seen one of them uh, before in the past. And you can't quite figure out how to find another one. Or you've heard of the uniqueness and specialness of a certain item, and uh, you know you just uh, it, you just really latched onto that story, and you love the idea of uh, of having this piece in, in your collection, but you just can't seem to find it because nobody has it. Uh, all of the, your super collector friends may have it or may not or maybe just one or two of them or something and uh you know it's driving you insane <laughs> you know uh, a compelling rich story behind uh any certain type of uh rare item is really going to add to the allure and i've i've talked about this before uh 
I remember. I think I, I don't think I, uh, I don't think there's really anything new under the sun when it comes to me talking because I've probably said everything at least once at some point. Uh, but I went to a baseball card show, and there were, was a dealer and a customer that were talking back and forth. And they said something about the Bash Brothers and Conseco, and I was like, oh, my ears perked up. So I kind of stopped and listened, and uh, they were saying how, you know, I don't even remember all, but I think it was just like uh, McGuire hates Canseco because of what happened um, with his book and everything. And so I started, uh, you know, I chime in, and we're talking, and the customer turns to me and starts talking, and he goes, oh, yeah, and he's like, you know what? And he starts talking about his McGuire collection. It's like super extensive. And I said, yeah, Canseco's my guy. I like him and I collect. He's like, oh, dude, you need to check out this one guy online. He's got an insane. And then his his eyes got wide and he stopped. He goes, oh, you're the guy I'm talking about. <laughs> I go, oh, yeah, maybe so. That's cool. And I said, yeah, I've... Uh, I'm online quite a bit and I post pictures all the time and everything. He's like, I can't believe it. I can't believe I'm talking to you. And so I was like, well, hey, let me take a look at uh, your want list. And he goes, okay, yeah. So he he shows me a crumbled up uh, piece of paper with his want list for top Mark McGuire cards. And I go, man, it sounds like you've got an amazing collection. So do you have the 89 blue chips uh, from Donnerson Leaf? And he goes, uh, well, no, uh, I don't even put that, I don't even, you know, care to put that on my list, really, to be honest with you. I go, why? He goes, well, because look, you and I are, are probably the only ones in this entire card show that even know what that card is. And I go, ha, that's interesting. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's kind of a, kind of an interesting thing where, uh, he would say that was at the very, very tippy top of his list, even though it didn't even make it because he just assumed that it would never surface. And, uh, you know, so this is kind of the stuff uh, that dreams are made of. It's the grail cards, the unicorns that maybe we've heard of a little bit in passing or we've seen them once or twice or something. And, uh, you know, that's it, you know, and... Uh, we don't know how to get to them, but we would love to get them. So it's going to be different for a lot of people. There are going to be some people that uh, uh, look at certain rare 90s, the 96 uh, Select Certified Mirror Gold, prototypes from 98 Pinnacle, uh, 97 uh, Totally Certified Platinum Gold, the 98 Crusade Red, um, you know, 98 Bo uh, Bowman Gold Refractor out of five. I mean. There's all kinds of different cards like this that are grails for people, and understandably so. Um, you know, they uh, they can, especially the nines. I think it's easy for people to see that uh, how uh, special they are because most of them are really beautiful. Um, so that adds like that checks a big box for me. Like I don't really care too terribly much anymore about rarity alone because there's all kinds of rare cards out there. I care about rarity, about story, and about beauty and significance. And uh, so if uh, something, if card checks off all these boxes to me, then, you know, I'm a happy camper. And I'm going to try to go for it hardcore, you know. So, uh, but if it's just rare, eh. You know, if it doesn't appeal to me, yeah, I'm not really, 
uh, too terribly interested. So, but that said, if you keep uh, thinking about things, there's probably going to be a handful of cards uh, that any one of us at any, any given point would just love to have. And so, uh, it is funny going back to the story of uh, my buddy Brian that we were talking at the very beginning of this episode of the podcast where I was talking about how, uh, you know, he's like, yeah, I love all your, almost all your collection except for your Conseco stuff. Um, there are people that will look at my vintage and go, oh man, this is the greatest thing ever. This is so cool. And I try to show them like the best of the best Conseco cards ever. And they just don't care, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and uh, I've been thinking about that probably a lot the last year or two just how funny it is how you could be a collector of a big time collector of Andre Scalaraga, John Smoltz, uh, Dante Bichette, uh, Albert Bell, uh, all these guys and you know truth be told like uh, if I look at the collection uh, of anybody like if it's immense if it's just an immense collection they've got all kinds of high-end one of ones it will be very impressive uh to see somebody build something like that but when it comes to individual cards for the most part it's just going to be like yeah i don't really care about that guy (laughs) you know about that player (laughs) which is kind of funny but um you know and i'm coming to the realization that that's i think probably how it is that, that a lot of people would see my collection um, it's much easier to get a googly-eyed over Babe Ruth, Ty Cobb, uh, Shields Joe Jackson, Walter Johnson, Cy Young, um, all those guys, Honest Wagner, um, as opposed to, uh, you know, Kinseko for 99% of the collecting community. And that's okay, because guess what? We collect for ourselves, right? We don't collect for anybody else. We collect for our own enjoyment. Now, it does get a little more complicated because our enjoyment can perhaps be partially wrapped into what other people think about our collections. Um, and that's okay. You know, that's not a bad thing. Um, you know, we, we like hearing uh, people compliment what we have for sure. And, uh, but um, in any event, what I'm gonna, the whole reason why I'm bringing this up is I came across something um, <laughs> really exciting. And so I'm actually going to uh, unveil it tomorrow um, in pictures, maybe video. Uh, really excited about it. And it comes, and I, I uh, specifically am uh, placing it for tomorrow because, um, I guess later today, uh, because today uh, marks the 20 year anniversary of the last time Jose Canseco swung a bat in a major league baseball game. And I'm thinking about this. I'm like, how has it been 20 years? This is insanity. He didn't even play for 20 years. You know, like his, his career, uh, very, very impactful in many ways. Um, post-career impactful also, good and bad. Um, but it's incredible to me to think that he played from like 85 to 2001 and he was riddled with injury. So, you know, he could probably take off a good couple of years at least because of those. Um, but it's crazy to me to think that my favorite player uh, hasn't even, you know, swung a bat in a major league baseball game in two decades. 
Uh, and I mean, wow, like <laughs> I just can't believe that. And so like his, his body of work, as far as career goes, is going further and further in the rear view mirror. And, uh, it's becoming almost like, uh, I guess it probably always has been, but just a blip on the radar screen of baseball history. And that's okay. Like I said, he had an impactful career. Uh, he, uh, probably had a much more impactful career than 90% of, uh, you know, anybody that stepped play, that stepped uh, foot on a baseball diamond, you know, which is really cool. It's the reason why he's my favorite player. Um, but, you know, to think that two decades have passed is just mind blowing to me. So, uh, and I did a, a YouTube video on this a few days ago about Jose's you know, the ultimate PC card, uh, for Jose. And I, I pulled out about five patch cards and I showed each one of them. And so I'll talk about three of them here tonight. Um, and you know, I'll kind of end with the last one that is what I'm really excited about. But, uh, so the first one is the, uh, 2000 upper deck game Jersey patch card. It's his first patch card ever. And let me tell you something like why, I love patch cards, like a nice patch card, probably more than any other type of card out there. Um, when I first got back into collecting the gamey's cards, even with like the white swatches or whatever, they blew me away. I thought they were like the craziest futuristic high tech things ever. Like they were some sort of alien technology. Um, it was incredible. I loved the idea and got into patches later. And, uh, you know, but I, you know, didn't really, uh, care what type of, uh, player it was. I just wanted to get all of them that I could and end up selling them later and that sort of thing. But when it came to Conseco, uh, drill, you know, you, when you drill down to the significance of certain cards, his first ever patch release, um, which, uh, was one of two releases, official patch releases for him during his playing career. Uh, that is some major historical significance for me for, for my favorite player um, because uh, you have everybody else and their brother uh, that's played nowadays, they have all kinds of different jersey and patch cards and that sort of thing. Um, I, uh, when I went through this Kyle Seeger super collection, I was amazed at how many Rawlings tags and you know, barrels and knobs and everything he had. It's like, it was like a factory of game use stuff for this guy. And that's just not the case for a lot of these retired folks, you know? And so uh, certainly for Conseco at the very least. Um, and so they have, after Jose took his last swing in Major League Baseball, October 6th, 2001, uh, the card companies really ramped up the game used game and uh they have put out a boatload of gamies and autograph cards of his not just him but everybody else as well uh but during the play uh his playing career two and only two releases uh were official patch releases for him 2000 upper deck game jersey and 2001 upper deck game jersey now 2001 upper deck game jersey had two flavors there was a base that had a nice patch many times and a gold 
out of 25. Um, so the one that I talked about that I started out um, talking about the 2000, I uh, recently traded for it. Um, it took me months to get. I offered up a bat barrel, another 2000 Upper Deck Game Jersey patch card of Kinseiko and various other low number cards to get this specific card. A 2000 Upper Deck Game Jersey patch with a part of the Devil Razor logo. And so the significance of this card is off the charts because it's the best uh, patch I've ever seen on his first release issue of a patch card ever. That's a very, very big deal to me, obviously. That's why I went all in and doing a trade. And so, really cool to think that. So, uh, the next thing was the uh, 2001 Upper Deck game jersey patch. And this is uh, part of what I'm gonna, um, the whole reason why I really kind of started this thing right now is uh, uh, this podcast is because uh, in 2000, uh, or I'm sorry, the uh, 2001 gold patch, I just showed off online a few times here already. Um, and several months ago, I actually traded for it uh, from my buddy John. And uh, so John, if you're out there listening, thank you again, as always. Um, but it's a really, really neat uh, card. It's actually got... Uh, so I guess you could say the significance is really kind of off the charts on this one as well for a number of reasons. Uh, but we'll start off with number one. It's his last release from his uh, playing career. And number two, it's his only serial numbered uh, patch card from his playing career. That was released from his playing career. And, uh, you know, so these things are very, very significant as well. And to give you an idea of how hard these were pulled, uh, to pull uh, the 2000s were one every 10,000 packs and the 2001 golds at 25 uh, I think had to have been at least that maybe even harder to pull you know so like you know if you get one of these if you got one of these in a pack it was it was like a literal jackpot you know <laughs> especially if they were like the monster patches that I have so the uh, 2001 I have has part of the uh the logo and it's like one of the most colorful it's the tied for the most colorful uh patch i've ever seen on any canseco card there's uh black white there's purple green blue uh yellow and i mean just a magnificent colorful patch and uh, i reached out to the original guy that had this and interestingly enough uh, he said that he pulled that card himself back in 2001 when he was 12 years old. And so I think that's pretty cool to know the uh, the story behind it. But uh, it gets a little uh, more interesting than this. So uh, I couldn't help but notice that this patch looked like it matched up with a massive, massive grail card uh, that I've only seen pictures of. And I have no idea about anything else of this card whatsoever other than being shown pictures throughout the years of it. And, uh, and so what it is, is it's basically a fuller version of the patch that matches up with the one that I, that I picked up, that I just traded for, uh, you know, several months ago. And 
this to me guys is like absolute unicorn grail status it's a card that you know nothing about other than pictures that have been shown uh, without any description or anything whatsoever no sales data behind it no nothing and you know it's it's not a it's not like a heavily uh collected 90 set for instance like 96 more gold or 98 crusade red where there's you know 25 or 30 copies or whatever i guess with this one there is 25 copies but <laughs> but the part the interesting part about it is that makes it most interesting of uh, this card that i've seen just pictures of it's not that it's serial number to 25 it's not that it's now 20 years old uh you know it's not that it was one every 10,000 or 15,000 packs or whatever it was it's not that it's uh, jose's only uh, uh serial numbered patch card during his playing career it's not even the fact that was his last uh patch card release during his playing career it's the patch itself um, it says Tampa on it. It's got all those colors I talked about before. It's the most colorful uh, patch that Kinseiko has probably ever had. Um, and it might be the coolest patch ever. Um, <laughs> eh, I don't know. That's kind of hard to say. We'll say during his playing career. Uh, it just might be his best one ever. So because there's, I've got that World Series one that I love. And you know, I think that's really cool. But anyways, so this card... Uh, and remember, there's only one of it, so it's kind of like, it's like a one of one just because the patch itself, um, you know, certainly not a serial numbered one of one or anything like that, but to me, it's much more special because of the patch compared to having just a regular patch with a one of one serial number. So, anyways, uh, <laughs> I can't believe this happened, guys. Like, I reached out randomly to somebody, um, and asked, uh, if they had any Conseco cards, uh, for sale and he said yes i do sends me a picture and whammo that card the grail card the unicorn card <laughs> was sitting right there in the middle of his picture you know oh my gosh it's the other half of my patch i go <laughs> i go my goodness this is crazy um i have the other half of this patch here <laughs> i would love to get that from you and uh, he goes well, you know, I'd like to really sell all of the uh, Kinseco cards I have uh, to, you know, to, uh, to you instead of just one or whatever. And so, you know, sometimes that's what you got to do. <laughs> so uh, I didn't want to risk it. I ended up buying everything uh, from him. It was only a few others, uh, so it wasn't a big deal all that much. But, um, but the important part was this Grail card that I've only seen pictures of in the past. And so... It's like I've completed this puzzle, this two-piece puzzle that has, uh, that's been cut up, that was worn on my favorite player's arm 20 years ago uh, during his playing career, it was released as cards, and uh, they match up. They're married together for the first time again in 20 years. And, uh, you know, it's really, uh, really just a special card. Now, the thing is, is I, as I'm telling you this, like, I understand that you uh, could get a little hyped up about this, even if you're not a Conseco guy, because you hear the passion in my voice talking about this, the story behind it and everything, and, and you know, kind of telling you why it's special. I get it completely. But outside of that, if I show people 
Uh, will they think it's special as well? I think so because of how colorful and amazing the patch is. But other than that, I'm sure probably a lot of people go, eh, okay, well, Tanner's excited about it as always. So <laughs> congratulations. We'll give you a golf clap and then, you know, kind of go on a merry way. <laughs> and I get it. But that's the fun thing about this hobby, you guys. Like, I am so wildly pumped about this. I don't have many cards that I don't show. Um, I'm pretty public about almost everything I have. And so I've had this one for quite a while now, but super excited to be able to show it off to everybody. And I think my excitement is probably just going to ooze out of all of the posts that I make whenever I put them on, you know, Facebook and Twitter and, uh, YouTube and everything as well. Uh, if I have time to do that tomorrow anyways, but, um, uh, really excited about it. Really thankful to have, to have it and these two together especially which is really uh really special you know really kind of a special uh pair to have and uh you know so it's like one of those things where i know that you uh out there listening may not care a whole lot about Kinseiko, uh, but i do have a good feeling that you know this feeling that i that i have that i'm trying to convey to you right now and it might translate into a mark mcguire card that is a fabulous patch or an amazing elusive hard to find uh, card from the 90s of him or Barry Bonds or Alex Rodriguez or Bo Jackson or Ricky Henderson you know like there's so many amazing players out there that have so many amazing cards and uh, you know there's uh, it's great whenever you can find a jackpot like this so this card uh, checks every box for me um, and really, it would have definitely made my ultimate PC card uh, possible entry, but I didn't want to give it give it up uh, until today. <laughs> but it checks all the boxes for me. It's a really nice looking card. Uh, it's extremely rare, especially given the fact that it's quite possibly, probably the best patch that's uh, ever been uh, in that card for Jose. Uh, it's historically significant because it's the only serial numbered patch card that was released during his career um, and it has a fantastic story not only of uh, how I've seen it over the years in pictures without any description or anything but also how I uh, was able to uh, find it uh, by dumb luck <laughs> and from a matter of months after being able to pick up the other side of the patch that was pulled by somebody when he was 12 years old you know i mean that's pretty special and uh so it's it's one of those cards that it's really fun to look at especially when you have the two together um they're super fun to look at together on the shelf and uh and it checks literally every box uh for me which is uh really great and i love i love that about these certain cards these are the ones i really kind of try to target i mean <laughs> you know i'm looking online now and i still see uh various cards being released uh throughout the months and you know the last one is like a tops archive snapshots and you know i think there's a lot of people that can still get excited about that stuff i just don't you know like they have like the regular border they've got the blue border they've got the reverse negative they've got the gold they've got uh the black and white they've got autograph versions of these and non-autograph versions of these and as a super collector i would absolutely be all in on these but 
uh, I have to get in, as I've talked about before, this mindset and remind myself, I am no longer a super collector, so therefore I should not be trying to put my hands in everything uh, because ultimately, what am I trying to do here? What am I trying to do with my collection? Well, the collection that I, that I have that I'm building, I'm trying to be able to tell a very special story. Um, and, uh, and I think I'm doing a decent job of it so far. And uh, um, in building a collection of a guy that a lot of people don't necessarily like, but you know, ha that has like a really great story behind it all. So that's what I try to do. Um, and when it comes to new cards being released with like these checklists that have like five, 10, 20 uh, different parallels or whatever, just doesn't do it for me anymore, you know? And uh, if it does for you, then, you know, more power to you. I mean, it's all about having joy in this hobby. So if you like collecting the rainbows, then go for it, you know, 100%. Uh, but for me, yeah, you know, <laughs> like I said, I, I'd rather have one special example, uh, if any. And in most releases these days, to be honest with you guys, like there's, you know, I don't want any of them. But there are some releases throughout the year that I will really like that uh, one or two of them or something and like to try to go after them. But um, yeah, it's a... <laughs> Wild departure from where I was just a few short years ago, that's for sure. So, but anyways, um, yeah, I guess that does it. That was just the main thing that was on my mind tonight, just how uh, my grail may not necessarily be your grail, but we all have these grails that we uh, search after, uh, these unicorns, and when we find them and when we land them in our collection, they make us feel like we just hit, hit the absolute jackpot. So. Anyways, um, good luck to you all on finding your unicorns, and uh, uh, happy collecting as always, and uh, thank you for listening.